0: Hello and welcome to Only Fools and Brotherly Forces, the podcast where two brothers go through and talk about every episode of Only Fools and Horses. We're now on series 2, episode 2, it's Ashes to Ashes. Welcome my brother Jamie, hello.
1: Hello mate, how are you doing? I'm very well, how are you doing? Yeah, very, really, really good. After our uh, debacle yesterday, and we did actually try to record yesterday, but um, yours truly did somewhat of a stupid thing and listened to the wrong episode. So when you introduced the episode Ashes to Ashes, I went, oh, that's not the one I've listened to. Yeah, that was after about half an hour of setting up mics and chatting about it and
0: all that sort of stuff. It wasn't until we'd literally pressed record we realised we'd watched different episodes.
1: So professionals, uh, we are clearly not. (laughs) But uh, trying our best, trying our best.
0: Well, so this episode, um, I found the first thing that I found quite interesting was this had a massive bump in viewing figures I found 9.8 million This is something we talked about in the last episode It's how there have been a big drop from the first episode of uh, series 1 To the first episode of series 2 there There'd been about 1.5 million drop But this has now jumped right back up again uh, So I, I don't know where the hell everyone was the first week But they've all come back and then some
1: yeah, that's great to hear. I, I, it kind of makes sense, I guess, that first week back. Maybe everyone was busy and then everyone said how good it was, and, and word of mouth is, is hit. So that's, that's really good to hear.
0: So we open up at the uh, very first scene. It is Dell fly pitching. But again, something we've uh, seen, again, very little of, uh, but always fun. A few little uh, jokes in there that are mostly about people of the time, to which I therefore didn't understand in the slightest.
1: Yeah, the first thing he says, um, he, he's got a little crowd of old ladies around him, and he's talking about these uh, these types. And one of the things he says is, uh, as worn by Sacha Destel's mum. I had a quick look, never heard of this person. Um, Sasha Destel was an old French singer. Um, he had a hit with a cover of "Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head," um, oh. in a weird French accent. Yes, I listened to it. So, um, it's in,
0: in he sings it in English, but with a French accent.
1: No, he starts in French and then goes on to English.
0: But was his mum
1: anyone important? No, I didn't think so. No, but um, but it's it's a really really crude and tacky and cliched YouTube video. Um, it's like an audience with, he's on stage, got like silly bouffant hair or whatever, very cheesy looking around. It's it's It was quite funny. Um, but yeah, that that was far too much information about who Sasha DeStell is.
0: <laughs> yeah, this was nice about uh, watching a series that's like 30 odd years old. So we uh, we watch him unsuccessfully try and sell some tights for next to no money. I can't believe no one's taken him up on this great deal. And then he starts talking to Rodney about uh, a failed exploit Rodney had had the night before. Um, I really enjoyed the uh, the one joke he made here, where Rodney pointed out that after being caught by the parents of the girl he was seeing, uh, it was pointed out to him that he had put his jeans on back to front. Yeah. And to which Dell said, "Put your jeans on back to front <laughs> What did he say?
1: He swore at me. Oh, I, bet he
0: did. <laughs> I bet he didn't know whether you were coming or going. Did he? <laughs>
1: I thought this was really funny, actually. Um, it's sort of... I'm not painting Rodden to be a player, but he's been a bit awkward in some of his relationships now. He certainly is in the future. Um, but he obviously got close enough to someone to get uh, all down and dirty in between the sheets or, or wherever they're got his jeans to. off, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that's not bad. I don't think that necessarily carries on with his character, but he's certainly a bit younger um, now than he is in later series, so maybe he was a bit more bit more of a player than than what he is.
0: Yeah, like we then of course the big thing is we have Trigger introduced, who isn't the uh the main other character in this episode. Um see Trigger in this episode I find great because it's everything you remember Trigger being now from ever. We talked a lot again in Big Brother, or at least I did, about how I didn't feel like Trigger's character was really flushed out. Mm-hmm. Like he was more of you know the gangstery kind of thing and and a bit more of just the criminal stuff where this was he was started off you saw him sweeping roads so we've established he's a road sweeper which wasn't previously established it kind of gives him more of this kind of common touch and uh yeah he's a he's a complete idiot and it is mentioned several times throughout the episode about how he's a complete idiot and there's a lot more emphasis on it and he's just he's really he's like lovable you know uh, and like chilled, and uh, that's that's the trigger we know, and I don't think that's the trigger we saw in the last series, but it's definitely the one we get here. So it was uh, yeah, interesting how quickly that change was very dramatic. It doesn't seem like it was a gradual thing. It was a okay, this is what it's going to be from now on.
1: And mm. um, um, just going on to the plot, so the the plot here is that uh, Triggers Nana's died. Um, Dell says he's busy but finds out that no one's attending the funeral so he uh, basically offers to bring Grandad and Rodney much to Rodney's uh, distaste but uh, eventually agrees um, and I had actually written a bit earlier to talk about but this is for me, more of a grandad episode, which is funny, because the one that I listened to by accident yesterday just so happened to be a very (laughs) granddad centric episode as well. Um, I think my notes might change a little bit for the other uh, episode. But anyway, um, so very grand episode. I think he has a lot to do in this and I think he he, I think he just comes across really, really brilliantly. I really, really really enjoyed the fact that grandad was very central in this episode. Um, The next scene changes um, and we're in Uh, triggers grands, flat and they're all in their black ties and it's a very classic looking old school flat it looks exactly like what i remember my grand and granddad's flat to be like you know horrendous wallpaper just crap everywhere like there's almost no space on the walls for any more pictures or any more Framed weird stuff. It's just like madness. Whereas everything today is so minimal and modern, open plan. This is this tiny little room. You don't know where to look. But I kind of liked it. I I kind of want to decorate something like that. I think it was quite cool. I I actually loved it.
0: <laughs> well, what what I really liked about it is, and obviously uh, Grandad points us out, is how Dell is vulturing around, like looking up for uh, you know th- because you say there are so many things to look at and so many bits and bobs. Dell's like, right, this is a great opportunity to find something to flog. And, uh, you know, as he, as he points out, Trigger is a bit of a Muppet and he wants to sell this stuff. And so this is a classic version of Dell's morals where Dell says, you know, it's better to get stitched up by a mate than by a stranger, which I think is very classic Dell logic of it's not really wrong because he's not going to be any worse off, but I'm just going to benefit from it. Yeah. Um, sure. w- w- which I like as an explanation of how Dell, how Dell thinks. Um, but yeah, lots of interesting bits and pieces around. Um, but really what it all comes down to is uh, the very awkward conversation about the relationship that Grandad did or did not have with Triggs Nan, uh, both of whom, were, they were of course meant to be married, um, but they appear to have maybe had relations.
1: Yeah, so it goes, it goes without note on the first time I'm mentioning, but the second time um, Triggs saying about his Nan playing around and Grandad's obviously looking very, very sheepish and, and trying to look innocent um, before... Uh, he goes to get something from the bedroom, and Granddad says that he knows where it is. Yeah, uh, that that, point, that is delivered beautifully, <laughs> as if we didn't know. Now we definitely do know that his Granddad's been a little bit uh, naughty, although we don't know what, quite to extent. Um, but that quits that scene, and we go back to the flat. One of the things actually about this episode is just the amount of scenes. We go all over the place, and um, lots of yeah, scene right, changing. Yeah. Whereas previous have have been, like, we could have 15, 20 minutes almost entirely in the flat, still cutting scenes, but staying in the same location. This, I mean, I think I've got, like, seven or eight different locations for this, which is really great, but I'll I'll go on to those when we come to them. Uh, So, into the flat, and um, Dell's got a magnifying glass to this china pot, and finds out that it is a German-make 19th century um, pot. Um which has some value about three 250 i think you said one went for previously yeah, two to 300 quid well i, I
0: really like the scene because we've obviously never seen dell do this which is probably what you'd imagine would be a big part of what a normal market trader would do but we've never seen dell go in this in depth where he's like researching like he's got an antique book out and a magnifying glass and saying like oh yeah i saw it in an article i'll go fetch it and you're like books and articles and stuff like oh he's actually doing some fucking homework like this is a first i don't uh, think
1: uh antiques generally come through the uh back of the lorry sort of trade that's probably why yeah, but he's
0: got he's got the book i mean he didn't go out to buy that book he, he's sure, got the book he must and, have
1: gone out to buy the book surely he didn't have it in hand
0: well he already had the article you know which he said he'd had stash he was obviously stashing article i mean why he'd stashed that article? If you're just hoping to come across one a few weeks later, that's really fucking weird. So I don't know what that's all about, unless there's a big time jump here we don't know about. But I don't think there is. Um, But yeah, I did actually have interest. So it's it's Meissen, it's German china that this uh, this urn is, and Mm -hmm. and I did have a quick look to see if there were any for sale Meissen urns, Um, and there were quite a few on eBay. Many of which were much more extravagant, but some simpler ones like the ones they have. And the price was actually very similar to what it was back then so two, there were several for like two, three, four hundred quid a oh, couple for closer to five six um but there's certainly been no uh massive appreciation uh, of those
1: about um bargain hunt and all those sort of oh, yeah well exactly yeah imagine yeah, one is. Coming up on those.
0: yeah i think you know 200 quid back then was a lot more than it is today and i think if you saw one today you would probably only get the same amount
1: so we get to the point where the the whole episode is based. So Grandad is having a look around the urn, uh we don't know it's an urn, but now we find out, uh to find Grandad uh triggers Grandad's ashes. Um they call in Dell and um they're all acting very uneasy, kind of superstitious, they've all got this sort of like physical um impairment thing going on, they're all looking quite uh quite scared, I guess um about the fact that his ashes are there yeah there's
0: a lot of that it's really good like there's like four or five times in this like next minute or two different people are a bit jumpy in different way and uh yeah, it was fun i thought they they acted that very well all three of them were were worried at different points and all jumped out sometimes you know they were together like rodney and granddad were like in unison jumping away and other times it'd be just one or the other uh it was really good especially when uh Grandad gets really angry and starts like shouting at Dell. I love his voice when he
1: starts to like scream. He really gets uh, you know, shrill. Yeah, exactly. Um so the end uh that scene by saying that uh, they will scatter the ashes somewhere but they can't do it at that time. So it it cuts off and we um get a very rare shot of the hallway um in their flat which we don't see very often, even their toilet. Um as Dell walks out yeah, I mean, very rare. I mean, I, I, I we definitely haven't seen it before. I can't think
0: of how long it'll be until we see it again. But I'm pretty sure we only see it. The only thing three I think about
1: times. is 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 you get a lot more bedroom scenes when um, Raquel comes into the uh, into the mix. We definitely get a bit more hallway and bedroom stuff. But anyway, yeah, um, I, I, it's, it's it's funny that they've they've made that set. They've thought about it, thought about what
0: all the rooms are, and then. Never use it again or do it again. I don't know. It's I not much for say. It's
1: a single wall, isn't it? I mean, it's a single wall and a door. I'm sure they just put it I up guess, for that. But I'm um, surprised they don't find other excuses to use it. But yeah. So uh, Dale, we hear Granddad just very reasonably in the, in the distance having a chat uh, to an animal object, and Dell peers his head round the corner to see him trying to make his peace with the spirit of Trigger's Granddad. And in a very dull way, he has a very cheeky, conniving uh, look on his face as he thinks that it's a great opportunity to wind up Grandad. And this is, without doubt, one of the most classic Grandad scenes, for sure. Um, An absolutely brilliant exchange. Um, I don't even know which part to play from there. I mean, this goes on for quite a while. This is a good two minutes, three minutes of... ...of good interaction. All right, then. Tell me where your money's hidden. <laughs> I ain't got no money. No, don't give me that, you lying old kid.
0: <laughs> I know you're all right for a few, Bob. I don't want to know where it is hidden.
1: It's in me suitcase under me bed.
0: No, ain't I, look. <laughs> Even when you're alone, I am keeping you company. What are you doing?
1: So the funny thing about that is um, Rodney comes and taps Del on the shoulder, which which obviously makes him startle and everyone is very, very scared. The audience are laughing so hard at this point that you can't hear one of Grandad's lines. Um, you hear the first one, um, where he says something like, don't do that. You will give me a heart attack, whatever." But there's a second line while he's on camera. He says something. I've got no idea what it is. I didn't bother looking into a script. But the audience is so loud, you can't even hear a single word he's saying. Which is brilliant. I mean, the,
0: the, the whole the whole scene is fantastic. But I can't help but thinking. Obviously, it's just stupid and funny, and that's fine. But is it actually believable feasible that you wouldn't be able to like figure out where the sound is coming from and you wouldn't recognize Dell's voice like
1: I thought Dell's voice sounded was, a lot like Dell but then
0: it did didn't it yeah, yeah. I just I mean I, I'm totally happy to spend disbelief for comic value that's fine but I just wondered like could anyone ever pull something like this off how stupid would the person you would be doing it to have to be to really not figure it out
1: I think if you're like superstitious, nervous, and in that moment, like you're, you're probably not about your, your right mindset. So it pro- it probably is possible.
0: I mean, yeah, it's funny you mentioned the superstition. I mean, they are all clearly quite superstitious at different points, um, which is surprising. I mean, it, which is surprising. I mean, even even Rodney in, in a later point towards the end is is very superstitious, and. He's the one I'd expected from the least, but I mean, he's one of the more jumpy ones. But even Dell, who's meant to be the cool, calm and collected, he has his moments.
1: So after everything settles down, um, they decide they need to uh, be finding somewhere to spread his ashes.
0: So the next scene, they're at a bowl screen, which was Grandad's suggestion of where to scatter the ashes, as uh, Grandad's... Triggers' grandad was a lifelong member of the uh, bowling club, so they decide to give the ashes a scatter around, just uh, so no one can tell that they're doing it. And obviously, they're doing this at night, so no one sees them. The one great idea they have, of course, is to make it a bit more fancy and and kind of give it some authenticity. Del decides they should sing a hymn as they scatter the ashes. And the first thing they think of is We Three Kings, The Christmas Carol, which obviously is very funny. But it did make me think, actually, off the top of my head, if you said, right, let's sing a hymn. I was like, fuck, I can't think of any hymns.
1: Like, I only, I only think of one ever just because it's linked to the, some funerals in our family, but that's I, I mean, could you could you sing it off lyrically? No. I'm not sure I could. No, no that's what I mean. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> we, we went
0: to Christian schools until we were like 12. I'm amazed that neither of us could think of a single hymn beyond like,
1: you know. I'm sure if you gave me enough time, I could, but I'm, I'm not wor- wor- wor worried about putting in the time to then think about it.
0: Yeah, no, but it's just, it's funny. It's, you'd, you'd assume you'd know some, but you don't. And yeah, Christmas Carol was a great shout. Um, but after that, they hard to just uh, say a prayer and they take to their knees and then they are illuminated in a spotlight, which of course isn't the divine. It is actually the members of the cricket, uh, the bowls club coming into the clubhouse and turning on the lights. Um did you notice that they did this basically the exact same gag about three times where there's lots of references to a sudden moment of was that God or not and then oh wait no it's a normal explanation
1: yeah yeah there was quite a few uh, things like that it's yeah, all very God.
0: good but I'm surprised that when you've written three or four of them in a script you don't read the script and go should probably drop one of them um, but they're, they're, they're the all good
1: now, the whole episode is, is God and death and I guess religions tied in so it works it works
0: the only other thing I wanted to mention about this scene was um, after they come into the the clubhouse, Dan and Rodney Scarpa, and there's a moment where a woman in the clubhouse sees that sees the urn and then it's taken away again. She starts talking to another guy, and it's just I don't know. It's just a really un Only Fools and Horses scene because you then go inside the clubhouse and you hear them talking, and I don't know that it just really stood out to me as something you've I've never seen a scene like that in Only Fools and Horses where. None of the characters are the characters we know. It just seems really unnecessary because you hear them mouthing from outside and I felt like we knew exactly what they were talking about. We don't need to go inside the clubhouse and hear them have a conversation. It felt like overkill and just was really weird. And I was like, is she a really famous person? Is this some sort of cameo? Like, it was just really weird. Like, it didn't seem necessary.
1: I don't know. I, I think that we actually do see things-, things like this. It does happen when we cut away from... The main action, and we get um, even spoken parts uh, from other people and extras that, that that has them in the background. I'm sure we do see it, um, and and again, I think uh, as we as we go through the series, it's constantly evolving and progressing, and different angles and and um, uh, types of scene and uh, shots in general will come to light, and I think this is just a, a progression. I'm sure we see see more of this sort of stuff um, as I'll it goes on. I'll definitely be keeping my eye out for, for similar scenes, because it does seem like a weird standout to me, but yeah. Moving on. So going through scenes like no-one's business, um, this is a really cool scene. Speaking about things that we don't see very often, I'm not sure I massively agree with your previous one, but one thing we definitely don't see is a lot of iconic London scenes. Like, I'm Good trying trail. to think if we see things like the Big Ben at any point or if we see any other parts of London. The on-location stuff, realistically, as far as London is concerned, I can't think of anything. Maybe in dates we see... Is it Waterloo Station they meet at? Yeah,
0: under the Waterloo clock, isn't it? No, King's, is it King's Cross Station?
1: I th- I, it's one of the two. I actually yeah, it's a, it's a
0: clock in a, in a big London uh, train station. But apart from
1: yeah. that, I mean, Searching My Only Fools and... Horses, trivia, brain, knowledge. Yeah, there's not Without a lot research, of it. Is it? Nothing, right. nothing springs to mind. So what we get here, um, which is what I'm referring to, is uh, London Bridge. So they're on the Thames. Um, really nicely shot. Got the nice. It's looking very foggy and smoggy. And a in a little day. rowboat. Yeah, yeah. But it does look very iconic, London. And as far as I could tell, it was them in the boat um, rowing along. I did have quite a close look. It looked like them, obviously separately shot from uh the in the boat recording to them going around and probably the dialogue but it, it did seem like them running around on the Thames which is quite 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 cool. Um and their plan is to do a burial at sea slash at river on the Thames and uh, and dump them in. Um but unfortunately At river plan- at River Count. It's basically the sea. They go to the same place. I'm with uh I'm with Dell on this, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Um, but the police um, unfortunately intervene um, and uh, there is says a very classic English phrase which is the police never being there when you need them and always there when you bloody don't need them uh, a bit of a to and fro uh, and the police essentially say that they're not allowed to because they don't have uh, written permission from the river authorities or something like that I, I feel it's... like they,
0: they, they, they could have at any point throughout this conversation just kind of like snuck a hand over the side of the boat and just gone tip 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 like that's definitely what I'm doing in the situation. If I've rowed into the, if I've ro- rowed a boat, rowed a boat, rowed a boat. Not entirely sure of the right word there. <laughs> if I, if I have done that <laughs> in a small rowboat, the middle of the Thames, to dump some ashes, which seems like an unnecessary length of effort to go to, I'm dumping those bloody ashes. Like this policeman's quite far away; he can't see you.
1: Dell Del is pretty consistently. Um a model citizen when police are around, though. Like, uh, he doesn't do much dodgy stuff if there is a, a policeman around or if there's someone of high authority. He suddenly goes into very, very polite and correct Dale, keeping his nose clean. So I'm not surprised that, that he didn't. Drunk. Uh, next scene, um, again, another random location scene. So we're just walking down a street. Um, Dale contemplates putting it in a, concrete, a cement mixer uh, which he calls an Irish tumble dryer. Um
0: Yeah, is, is that a thing? Have you heard that before? Is that like yeah, I yeah, yeah, a... meant
1: to go- I meant to Google it if that was definitely, if that was a normal thing. No, it's a, it's a classic before. like
0: joke. I guess that's because there's a lot of Irish builders around that time, is that, or, or certainly probably yeah, before yeah. that. That's the yeah, reference, indeed.
1: right? Um Rodney says uh you weren't You weren't, were you? You weren't really, like, actually going to do that. And the girl says, no. But I think given a few more seconds and no one else there, I think he probably would have.
0: I mean, he took the lid off.
1: I mean, he was going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) He wasn't like he was looking at it going, maybe. He took the lid off. Like, he's halfway there. Uh, So they sit down um, and have a little contemplation on on what some of their options are before getting into um, a bit of an argument. They stand up, and as they're doing that, a... uh, a motorised road sweeper comes past and sucks up their urn.
0: so they manage to get hold of the person uh, dri- driving this automatic road sweeper get him to stop they pull out the urn get it out of the tubes that's all good they make some uh, joke about it not being a cat because they say urn he thinks urny Rodney says no urn as in Grecian which I thought was quite a fancy word for Rodney to use but Impressive, you know, he's a clever bloke, he's artistic, right? um And uh, yeah, so it turns out the contents of the urn, the ashes have been sucked up into the machine. uh But that was actually quite poetic because um Trigger's granddad, like Trigger, was also a road sweeper, which I thought was a fantastic way to round off like this predicament. It, you know, we like you say, we went to all these different scenes, and it could have been all these sort of little things. And to make that callback, they write, made right at the start of the episode, where they pointed out that uh, Trigger's granddad was a road sweeper, and to end up in a road sweeping machine, I thought was very clever and uh, really nicely rounded out the episode.
1: I think it's clever. I think it's a massive cop out. Like you reckon? <laughs> I, it, I, 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 I don't know. It's like brilliant. poetic, poetic irony. Like there's nothing. There's nothing poetic or beautiful about it. It's no, but that's that might as well have just been swept into a bin. No, but that's what's great about it because
0: there is a there's a just you can justify it and because of the things they were trying they were getting more dramatic each time like going to the bowling green and then the then going out to uh, row on the Thames. So you, you assume there's going to be something big or they're going to just stop trying and then to find a solution and it be this kind of like uh this good callback. I I just thought it was very clever and uh, oh, yeah. it ma- you know.
1: massively it massively worked for sure.
0: So now they're back in the flat. Probably thinking about how they're going to sell this urn, which they've now fortuitously emptied, and um, finally Trigger, who Delboy's been trying to contact for days, calls back and says, "Yo, what up?" And to so Delboy, has to tell him about what happened with the urn. He tries to talk him into saying, "You know, leave it to me. I'll get it sorted," which was obviously very handy. Promise it'll be lovely and respectful, which of course is questionable, but it was poetic. Um, I found it really interesting, obviously Dell, that phone dell's using i think we have seen him use it a few times but i absolutely love it it's so iconic because i've not really ever seen that phone anywhere else you know we're we're too young to have really seen that phone in normal use i mean we have, of course had like corded phones and all sorts of you know, you know some old school phones but this is one of those two-piece there's a you, you speak into the the main part of the phone which you hold with a separate earpiece on a wire to your ear which of course anyone who's seen the show knows what i'm talking about um and it's just crazy i'd love to know into what year people were still using that phone i'm
1: gonna i'm gonna steal a note from the episode that i watched yesterday again here i don't mean to keep referencing it but it just everything just keeps happening so i'm going to um in that episode that that phone uh, our phone plays a big part as well and the note that i wrote was that uh quite a lot of the whole thing, although it is clearly old school and the quality of the the filming is not as good. It's shot four by three, not 16 by nine, and even the new digital stuff isn't great. A lot of it does age pretty well. You don't, you don't necessarily look around and think it feels really old. Some of the cars and stuff, but the scenes and the scenery, a lot of it could be still a modern day, but the phone specifically stands out like a sore thumb. As soon as he brings that phone up to his ear, it is just, for me, the most dated uh, part of of most of the scenes of the episodes as soon as that phone comes in. But I love it for it.
0: I, what I'd love to know is, was it dated at the time? Was it on its way out? And it's part of like the, would it have been weird at the time and that's a little light joke? Or is it no, com- still so. completely normal there? Because it's, 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 it's early 80s. I feel like that's pretty old school.
1: Yeah, but later on, right, when phones come into play in a few diff- a, di- a few episodes in series 3 4 uh, 4 or 5 6 something like that yeah exactly they have, yeah. they have the corded ones which i think are red and then they have the cordless ones with the the shoot up aerial which we won't get into but there there is definitely a progression of phones within the series mm. i don't know for certain but i would say that that was still probably quite popular in that time i mean
0: it's amazing how long we're going to talk about phones but i'll just mention one other thing did you notice whenever he was talking to either granddad or rodney and he was trying to like you know make sure trigger wasn't hearing he always held the mouthpiece and the hearing piece to his chest. That really yeah. stressed me out. Got the whole, like, you, for, you have a phone that the two aren't connected. So actually, you don't have to do that where everyone else now has to do that and for the rest of time, for this one period in history where the two weren't connected and he still does that. He holds them both to his chest. He could have kept the hearing bit to his ear and just put this speaking bit on his chest, but no, no, he takes it down and holds
1: it to his chest. With In this button. modern day, they even have uh, mute buttons on the yeah, phones, it? which means you don't have to do any of that shit. Crazy. Uh, how does this scene even end? Uh, let me have a look at my notes. <laughs> not, this, this isn't going into it. No, because you said it like it was. You did it in your podcasting voice. <laughs> <laughs> I was concerned. I was like, <laughs> well, I hope that's not going in. So Dale's on the phone, and he turns his attention to Granddad, and although it's a really physical part of the scene, you can clearly hear in his voice um, that, that something's amiss.
0: Well, it must be your granddad. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. No. No, nobody told me. Right, you have a nice time, Trigg, and I'll see you when you get back, all right? Something you forgot to tell me, was not there, granddad? What's that, dear boy? Trigger's name
1: was married twice. Oh no! So he hangs up the phone, which he does that, amusingly, by the way. Oh yeah, he he he, he has it the wrong side. He still hasn't dropped or unlocked his uh, gaze at Grandad. <laughs> yeah, just staring and, him in and, the eyes, and can't quite hang it up correctly. <laughs> I kind of had a feeling that was improv. I don't think it was because the, the phone would not around, but it could have easily been an improv. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past him to have done that. He hung up the phone and um, attention's still on Grandad. And it turns out that there are uh, two urns, which we know, and there is still gran- uh, Trigger's Grandad's ashes in the other one because Trigger's grandda- uh, grandma, or nan, was married twice. Yeah, it's a
0: poor ending, isn't
1: it? Yeah, like... I it's really it...
0: poor. Just because we always knew there was a second urn. They'd even previously joked about how Grandad was speaking to the wrong urn when he was apologising. So we know there's two urns that have been mistaken for each other. So obviously there's ashes in the other urn. Who owns two urns and only has ashes in
1: one of them but puts them together on a shelf? I did think it was poor, but then it's it's poor because it's... (laughs) This sounds really silly. It's poor because it's hard to talk about because it's not a big gag at the end. However, the, the gag or the punchline to the gag... Is Dell opening the urn and, and looking at it and going, oh no. And I suppose realistically, it is probably quite funny because if they've dumped off the previous husband or whichever one it was and the actual uh, granddad uh, triggers the actual granddads in the other, then they are back in square one again. Are they going to go and find a new road sweeper? So it's, maybe it's not as bad as I initially thought. I think it's just hard to introduce. Or talk about that ending, because it's... Yeah, just... Essentially just like a... Yeah, I know. Yeah, I,
0: know. I I think it's a shame after they wrapped up the last... Wrapped everything up so well in the last scene. I would have almost just left it there. And, you know... Or did the whole time just have the one urn and ended it on the last scene. Maybe find one other the middle scene where you have them trying to dispose of it in another way and failing. Because we always knew there was two. Like I said, I just... I don't really... I, that last laugh wasn't... Fun. Like, he opened the urn and was surprised there was ashes in it. I mean, it's a fucking urn. What was he expecting to find? Like, I, um, I
1: think I've actually talked myself around to to quite liking it in the end. What?! It's worse!
0: <laughs> the more I think about it, the more the the less I like it.
1: I think, like, if you just play that, that last bit of dialogue, those last few sentences, and then you have Dale going, Oh, no. I mean, I, de- I definitely laugh when I watch that. So, it's fine. It doesn't need to be the big payoff... We've already had the payoffs. There was loads of other um, intricate and different parts to this. There was lots for the eyes, lots of different um, scenes and uh, visual uh, tidbits. So I, I'm not worried that this was a, a more casual ending.
0: Yeah, I mean, overall, it's a great episode. I mean, if we're going to you know, do our overall kind of review, if you like, I really enjoyed it. Like you said, there was a lot more scenes and locations. Um, I feel like there was more physical comedy than we probably had in any other episode, Um, both subtle and dramatic. And, uh, you know, clever writing, like you say, bits that maybe could have been improv. I thought it was great. I thought everything was there. Um, Yeah, mildly disappointing ending, but overall I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I
1: really like the episode. I, I love different scenes. I love that it um, that it showed London, uh, as it were, as, as I mentioned. Yeah, true. I thought it was a, a really unique writing idea. I think it's quite different than a lot of the other plot lines for Only Fools and Horses in general. Um, they're obviously in Stuck and trying to get out of Stuck, which is essentially the the format for every episode, but it was... It was a little bit different. Um, he, I, th- I think I, I, there's
0: more, there was more layers to it, right? Because it wasn't just a buy something, sell something. It was a, having to get rid of Ashes, which is completely new and different and weird. Yeah,
1: and I love Grandad's element in it. Um, he's a really convincing character That's that actor. Like, um, he he just... He's vulnerable. He has this vulnerability about him, yeah. which is portrayed very well really by, by Leonard yeah. Pierce. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I, th- I thought it was really, really good. I-, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would do prior to watching it. I didn't think it was yeah. a great episode, but actually I quite liked it.
0: Yeah, I thought it was one of those that I'd seen a lot repeated, but actually, you know, as we often say when looked at with kind of a fresh eyes with this project, um I know it's a lot more nuance, and yeah, I really loved it.
1: Is the one driving me Why do only
0: fours and horses work
1: So, draw our attention to uh next week's episode. Do you know what it is? I have looked and I'm really excited i think I think everyone is excited for I think the two of our listeners who are a mum and my best friend um, are very excited to so hear this next one um It is of course losing streak um really at home for I think it's probably the episode I watched more than any other um we were brought up on cards and poker from our mum, who also introduced us to only Fools and horses. So this was just like you know two young kids wanting to be really good at poker and the, its involvement in this episode is uh, is, is brilliant. Loved it. Love. Yeah, uh,
0: I, I, I think it's a foundational episode for our lives. <laughs> yeah, <for laughs> sure. I'm really looking forward to it.
1: It would be it would be easy to talk too much about it right away um, now, but. I think it has yes. one of the best, one of the best payoffs of any episode. So, looking forward to getting involved. Uh, so, thanks again for joining us for Ashes to Ashes. Uh, there was one bit of music. Well, it actually wasn't it featured in it, but it was certainly mentioned. We spoke about it earlier. What else could we play? But obviously, yes. looking forward to it. I've forgotten his name. <laughs> <laughs> Sasha Distel, Distel, Sasha Distel, the French singer. And I will play the. Uh, the tune that I was talking about where he starts off in French and goes off to English because it's brilliant. (laughs) Thank you very much.
0: So thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Only Fools and Brotherly Forces. Really hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get in contact with us then you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Only Our Twitter handle is at OnlyFoolsBros or if you want to send us a longer message, the email address is OnlyFoolsBrothers at gmail.com Thanks very much, and if you're going to give us a rating or review or anything like that on your podcast application of choice, we'd really appreciate it. Thanks very much, everyone. See you next time. Thank you.